Welcome into the 6 o'clock hour of Sports Talk Hootheads. We are just four days away from preseason game number one. Got plenty of training camp stuff to get into. I'm of the Oakland Heart Jewelers talk and text line. Uh, Going to hit the sound bank here from Dennis Allen, Pete Werner, uh, Colin Saunders, Blake Gillikin, and our uh, Bobby, Mike, and myself. Got a chance to talk with wide receiver Kirk Keith Kirkwood. We'll also hear about that. Uh, Want to get to some of your callers, though. I see we're hanging on here on the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line. Hear from you on 504-260-1870. James and Chalmette, what you want to bring to the radio huddle? Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, so, listen- damn, James, are you calling from Chalmette? You checking on some of your properties out there or what? No, 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 man. I'm doing the Walmart thing over here. Okay, um, I got you. I'm just, uh, yeah, I, you know, listen, um, I want to play the GM role with you guys today, but one thing that stuck out with me was something Deuce said about that uh, player. Listen, when I was, um, basically, I served three presidents, and if I would have hung out with the same crew that I was when I was in high school and college, I never had the memories that I have right now. So, so wait, so James, you, know, you saying if you'd have hung out with the same youth group, whatever, you might have been in jail instead of being prosperous? Well, you know, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to go that hard, but but what I'm I saying is, is that it, 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 it's 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 all about a fork in the road, and I wish that young man well with his life decision. Cause no, but he's talking about J- that, James. You know, he's talking about because uh, he has the ability. I, I've highlighted him. A few times in camp, Lynn Bowden Jr. He's six one, two hundred five pounds. He's going into his third NFL season. He's from uh, Warren, Ohio. He played at Kentucky. He was the quarterback, even though he couldn't pass. He ran for like two hundred yards in a bowl game. No, so uh, like Deuce said, the talent's there, but where are your priorities? Do you want to be a pro? Are you mature enough to make uh, you know pro football a lifestyle? So uh, go on. I just wanted to to let you know about who Deuce is talking about, and that's Lynn Bound Jr., who you could see him in the return game against the Chiefs or the Chargers. He might take one to the house. And, you, and you know, so I don't want the fans to say, well, Bobby, y'all never talked about him. Uh, no, he has that kind of ability. Uh, but, uh, you know, you have to have your ducks in a row if you're going to be a pro. Right, right. Well, so with, with that in mind, I, I just wanted to do the GM thing with you guys real quick because, you know, uh, I, you know, I, I was really disappointed those that we lost. We didn't, we didn't pick up Hunt and the linebacker, but they wouldn't have been my first choice anyway. Um, I hope you can agree with me, Mike. If my first choice probably would have been picking up a lineman on both sides of the ball, you know, I, I, I and so if I'm playing the GM role, I know I, I mentioned this guy's name a ton of times. That that uh. 38, 30, damn near 40 year old uh, offensive, uh, t- uh, what is it, left tackle slash guard. I don't have his name right now, uh, but I would I would pick him up. I would also look at uh, the kid that used to play with us, Malcolm Brown. He got a big fat contract with Houston. He's he's still out there as a free agent. Uh, I, I, I don't think they got his money's worth. And I think you know if we need to run stuff. The thing about it is that when we play. Tennessee, this uh, in game week one, their offensive line stinks, but they got the best offensive lineman in the draft in Saransky, and he's not going to play uh, left tackle. He's going to play guard, and you know, and uh, he's probably going to go up against one of our weaker 
right. uh, uh, players on the line. So, well, Bob, I, you know, I, I, I can tell you, you know, James, you bring up Tennessee come September 10th. You know, as fans, what we could do, we're going to follow the football. But I'm right. telling you right now, who's winning in the trenches? The tennis, uh, the Titans O-line against our D-line and vice versa. You know, uh, all of a sudden, you know, you, the quarterbacks get too much of the glory, too much of the blame. But I'm telling you, who's winning in the trenches and who's setting the tone? And, uh, James, uh, you, you want to look at an old lineman now because it, it's always about the money. Look at Anthony Barr. You look at Kareem Hunt, what they're willing to get paid. Uh, now, I think I talked about him yesterday, and, and, and uh, you can maybe do a little homework uh, project on this. Uh, Dalton Risner. He's the left guard, and you look at, uh, you know, you better pack a lunch. He started 62 games in four seasons with the Broncos, and he's a strong uh, uh, pass blocker. Well, I don't know what kind of money he wants. I know Derek Carr wouldn't be against that. A strong pass blocker yeah. who you could step up in the pocket. I mean, uh, so look up. Uh, I'm expecting James. You're gonna call tomorrow. I want you to look up Dalton Risner and think what you think of him. Well, I already know. But my, yeah, but but listen, I already know he 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 gave up quite a few sacks. His PPF. That's the reason why he's out there. His PPF rate ain't ain't that great. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, listen, uh, Carolina. We I harped on that the other day. They they stuck their they stuck their money out there and they picked up a guy that's old. But he's a seasoned vet. He's better than any of the guys that's out there right now because the rest of them are scrubs. Houston got nine and a half sacks without even trying. He, and he made us look terrible against the, when he played with the Ravens uh, last season. So the, the, the no. guy that I mentioned, I, the guy that I mentioned that left that they could put a left tackle position and also move inside at guard. You know, he's not a keeper, but he's better than anything we got on the team right now. And if we if if we sign him, I know mean, he's probably won a ton more money than you may want. But that's better well, than risking to figure out whether or not if if if, if Penny could play left tackle or not, or if if Cesar Reeves can play guard. That guy could play either position. Well, the the so, whole thing, James. Uh, that they they making uh, they listen. Obviously, you don't want to put your job on the line, uh, but Trevor Penning has to work out at left tackle. I think right now that he'd have to almost be horrendous uh, for them not to go with uh, Trevor Penning at left tackle. I think it's that important, considering where he was drafted, uh, that he does work out. Now, uh, James, when you, uh, you know, because you look at who's available, and uh, okay, you look at Barr and you look at Kareem Hunt. Uh, so wait, because uh, I'm looking at uh, on the text board here. Hmm. You have Leonard Fournette. I mean, uh, why would you think Leonard Fournette uh, would work out in a Saints uniform? I mean, considering the style of back that they're looking for, considering uh, I, I that when, when Alvin Kamara is not available, uh, because I, I Kareem Hunt makes sense. Leonard Fournette is a different animal uh, than a Kareem Hunt, I and not like Alvin Kamara. Well, I tell you why, uh, Mike and Bobby and, and Charlie. When we uh, when we played Tampa, they swept us last season, and the, the games were ugly. But the one thing that that uh, Brady could count on was Fournette coming out of the backfield, catching passes and blocking. That's the one thing. If you watched that, that game, the game stunk offensively. It was like a defensive game. Both games were terrible. If you're if you're an offensive guy. But the one thing that happened, and throughout the season, 
Brady relied on him, I think, you know, with, with his presence, he, uh, Fournette became a better uh, not only pass blocker but pass catcher. And so, uh, you know. I, well, I, 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 I can he, tell you this, James. Witnessing who we have in-house, that they don't necessarily think that Leonard Fournette would be a better option than Kendra Miller, uh, the rookie out of TCU, or Jamal Williams, who's going into his seventh season. You know, we all know what he did with the Lions. Uh, they don't better. I'm just telling you, whether you like that or not, that, that's just the case in point. And I'm just saying Fournette hasn't been taking visits to any other team either right now. I mean, uh, to me, it would obviously be uh, fina- financial uh, reasons. I mean, because Leonard Fournette could still play in the NFL. But it's not maybe what you want. It's what uh, you might have to all of a sudden humble yourself. I still want to be an NFL player, but you got to take the minimum. You, know, you can't get a few million. You might just get like a million. But in the real world, the common man looks at that like, oh, come on. I mean, uh, you, you know, now obviously you want to maximize your earning power. You only can play so many years. But uh, I don't think Leonard Fournette would say, considering where he's at at this uh, uh, point in his career, oh, I'm just going to sit out uh, 2023. I'm waiting for 2024. Because out of sight, out of mind, no, he might be one of those last signees right before the season. And you take the minimum, and then uh, you sign a one-year deal, then you go from there. I just kind of want to circle back around real quick, guys, because, Bobby, I think you made a really good point about the – I think James also kind of made the point week one against the Titans. You know, we've talked about what the Saints need to go without Alvin Kamara in those first three weeks, and I think we'd all be okay with two and one if that loss were to come to the Titans. But the the issue with the Titans game, and as you kind of mentioned, Bobby – the trenches play is going to be so huge in that specifically. Like, I mean, you look at what they're going to be coming off the bus wanting to run the ball against the Saints defensive front with these all these new guys, all these new faces. But then on the opposite side, the we've challenge. talked all this talk about, you know, the offensive line for the Saints is a huge concern. Like, because you don't know if these guys are going to stay healthy, how it's going to all kind of shape up, and if they're going to play up to their potential. And they're going to get tested right off the bat with the defensive front that the Titans have, guys. Because Jeffrey Simmons, we've talked about some of the best defensive tackles in the NFL. You know, obviously Aaron Donald and Chris Jones of the Worlds. Jeffrey Simmons is right up there with those types of guys. And then obviously also Danico Autry, Harold Landry, who's coming into his own as a pass rusher. Like, this this is a scary matchup. If you're looking at the toughest matchups early on for the Saints, the Titans, at least in the trenches... I mean, they're going to get tested early on, specifically well, in week one. The the Titans, uh, how they don't care if they would win like 17, 13, whatever. You know, they got kind of one of those old schools with Derrick Henry and, and kind of – because I think they're kind of a reflection of their, of coach. their coach. Yeah, absolutely. You know, look have that have same mentality, attitude. I mean, it's almost like uh, he would be, uh, we all know what he did with the Patriots, but he would be more like the version. We're familiar with Dan Campbell, hmm. you know, uh, bite him in the kneecaps. Well, I think Vrabel's that kind of coach with the Titans, like you got uh, Dan Campbell with uh, the Lions. So no, I'm telling you, the first game, and uh, it's in the Dome, but uh, I hope we win. I mean, uh, but I haven't, Steve, you can look and see how I wrote this down. Us getting the double-digit wins. Yeah. I, ha- I have it, that game being a 50-50 proposition. No, and what Charlie was just talking about, that war in the trenches against the Titans, what's scary is, uh, you know, I start thinking about that Monday night football game against the Ravens. The Saints were just manhandled on both sides of the football. We're just out-physicaled everywhere. Listen, that game against the Ravens, 
now, uh, as of late, um, I haven't been so discouraged like I've been. I remember doing the post game and all that. I was like, whoa. Were we like the JV going against the varsity? Exactly, yeah. It you had that like, kind of feel to it. No, and it was like uh, maybe you hope the ball bounces your way and you hang it in there. But I never thought that game, as the game was progressing, oh, oh well, we, we still all right. We got a chance. No, I, I thought as the game progressed, uh, we have no chance. And we made Lamar. I mean, it, it reminded me I was almost having visions uh, when I was covering Michael Vick, you know, where he was like toying with the defenders. Right. He, he looked like the league MVP out there. And we had a good defense. Right. So I'm like, whoa. I said, uh, you know, we've never played the Ravens good in the trenches. That's one team, you know, how you match up. And we've never matched up against Baltimore. Now, we've won some games, but we've never really beaten them in the trenches. As long as I've covered this, like, 15, 16 years and all, we've gone against Baltimore. They basically whipped our ass in the trenches. Now, we might win or it might be a close game, but it's not like, no, uh, we bring it to them. They always brought it to us. Titans lead the all-time series with the Saints 9-6-1, and one, by the way, guys. And I'm sure we'll get more into this in a couple weeks <laughs> when the game gets closer. But just kind of saying right. that, that matchup in the trenches is kind of intimidating. We'll get more back into our Saints training camp notebooks and also the sound bank when we get back from the break here on WWL. Welcome back into Sports Talk. Steve Geller, Bobby Bear, along with Charlie Long. We're going to get into the training camp sound bank right now that's brought to you by the sound banking at first American bank, a banking tradition since 1910. A guy fighting for a roster spot at wide receiver Keith Kirkwood entering the season with the black and gold. Here's what he had to say after training camp today. Bobby, Mike, and Steve hanging out with Saints wide receiver Keith Kirkwood, a guy I'm always rooting for, also a New Jersey native, born and raised. Uh, You've been obviously here long enough now. Have you gotten used to the and acclimated to this heater? You never Uh, get used to it. You never get used to it, man. I'm going to tell you that straight up. I mean, (laughs) I tried everything I could. I tried getting in a sauna after every workout while I was up in New Jersey, doing ab workouts, whatever I could in the heat, and nothing compares to this New Orleans heat. Uh, So, man, I'm just super excited to be back. I'm excited for another year. I'm excited to see where this team goes. And how confident uh, you are right now, uh, you know, whenever you're healthy, it seems like you could play with a lot of confidence. Yes. And, uh, you know, you've been snake bit at times with injuries. Yes. Uh, but you have to feel now that you know the game, that you are a veteran uh, in the NFL and, and contributing be amongst the leaders in the wide receiver room. Yes. I think what's changed this year for me, myself personally, is uh, taking care of my body. And I think as a young guy, I didn't really understand how to take care of my body. So I'm here every single day. My alarm goes off at 445. I'm here first thing in the building, trying to do whatever I can to get my body warmed up and prepared, ready for practice. And one thing I can say from now versus the past, when I would wake up for a practice, I'd feel sluggish. I didn't feel myself. Every practice, I'm fired up, ready to go. And that's been a huge difference for me this year. So um, I'm doing whatever I can myself to be a leader in this room, on this team, and do whatever I can to help us win because I want a Super Bowl. That's why I came back. And I talked to you earlier uh, about, you know, all the quarterbacks now you've played with at the yes. highest level in the NFL. Uh, and, uh, and you can compare because uh, you've witnessed like Drew Brees yes. and now Derek Carr, uh, both yes. seasoned veterans. And so just uh, describe like playing with them and uh, what, yeah. what, what have you gotten from them? So playing with Drew, I, I just start off by saying playing with Drew was probably one of the most incredible things ever. Uh, being a kid who's never played football a day in his life. And then you go from uh, playing with Drew Brees on Madden. Oh, sorry, I'm catching a cramp. Oh. <laughs> oh, so playing with Drew Brees on Madden. Sorry, I'm just going to put my hands over no my problem. Head. Playing with Drew Brees on Madden and then playing with him uh, in the game was just incredible. And then you play with a guy like Derek Carr, 
who every single day, his attention to detail is just unbelievable. And a guy like him, you just playing for, you just know you just see greatness coming. So I'm just super excited for this year and what Derek Carr has to offer to this team. Keith, one of the things is your ability to get a good position out on the field and make a catch. Yes. Sometimes you can be fast and you can run a route, but you got to know how to position yourself. You've done a really good job improving that part. Also, too, you're a really good downfield blocker. Thank you. And so your running backs, man, they, they love that, that you that can throw that yes. big uh, block downfield. I think uh, what I love about myself in this offense is I'm a bigger body and a bigger catch radius. So it's, a, it's easier for guys like Derek to see me over top of a five foot nine nickel cornerback. Um, and then also at the same time, like I've been working my whole my whole offseason on trying to block best as I can because I know that's what's going to ultimately get me on the field. I'm not the fastest, not the most explosive, but I know that I can make plays when the ball comes my way. And then also being able to open it up for guys like Alvin Kamara and Jamal Williams this year. So I'm super excited for what this team has to offer and what I can do to help. Your health, you sound like a much more confident guy. Yes. I m- remember we did a touchdown club event and that wasn't there, but I, I hear it today from you. Yes, sir. I- I've been working in... Man, listen, I've been doing whatever I can to help this team win. Um, I had thoughts of kind of hanging it up last year, but when I knew the confidence that this team had in me, it also ultimately helped build the confidence within myself, knowing that I can do whatever I can to help this team win. And I know guys like leaders like me here. So I'm just super excited to do whatever I can to help this team win. I've been working my tail off day in and out, and I know it's going to show this year coming up this season. You know, when you look at uh, one thing, they've noticed that your work ethic is – Whenever the coaching staff is talking good about you, uh, you know that you're putting in the right work. And yes. just talk about your relationship with your position coach. Uh, yes. You know, all of a sudden you've been around the offensive coordinator. Yes. Now Pete Carmichael. Just to explain from an offensive perspective your relationship uh, with the coaches. I think uh, we're starting off with Pete Carmichael. I think he's a guy who's starting to find trust in me um, because over the years I've done nothing but be in the right position and do the right things to help this team win. Now, there's been times I had a couple drops, but he knows no matter what, I'm going to be right where he needs to be in this offense. Um, so that's a huge credit to Pete for being able to continue to put me in positions to help this team win. And then you got a guy like Cody Burns, who day in and out is dialing it up, detailing it in the receiver room, and uh, now ultimately helping me become a better man, but a better player on this field. Um, and it's been amazing to be, a, uh, be with him since coming in last year at London to now having a full offseason with him with OTAs and now camp. I think my strides of becoming a receiver have just tremendously grown, and I give a huge credit to Cody Burns. Keith Kirkwood's evaluation of Chris Olave, if you was a scout, to talk about Chris and his development from year one to year two. Yeah, Chris Olave, his, his elusiveness, his explosiveness, his speed, his intelligence. Chris Olave has all of it put together. Um, I'm super excited to be with him and to be a guy who can just help him at whatever he needs. But to be honest with you, Chris Olave doesn't really need help because he's in here every single day working his tail off to become better. You know, some guys are first-round picks and they're complacent, but he, he's not here for the money. He's here to win, and he's here to be the best version of himself. And that's one guy I respect so much, being an older guy and seeing somebody young like him that works in day in and day out. I wish I had him back when I was a young guy. But listen, Chris Olave does it all, so I'm super excited to watch him play this year. Keith, what's it like for you to have, you know, obviously been here initially, go over to enemy territory in yes. Carolina, but now get to be back in New Orleans? Yes, it was tough. It was it was really tough making that decision to go back to be with Matt Rule. Um, it was a blessing. It was a blessing to be with a coach that was with me, Matt Rule, who was with me in college. But there's a difference coming back here to New Orleans. It's family. And the way I felt coming back here was like LeBron going back home to Cleveland. Like, this was home to me. I was welcomed back with open arms from the staff to the training room to... <laughs> 
you name it, the fans, I've been welcomed with so much love. And that just drives me to want to be the best that I can for not only this team, but this family and the whole organization. Keith, best of luck. Uh, look forward to seeing more from you and uh, keep doing it. Yes, thank you so much, man. I appreciate thank you, you guys Keith. so much. Right. Yes, sir. That was Saints wide receiver Keith Kirkwood, who we got to catch up with after today's practice session. Uh, definitely a lot more confident dude heading into this season, wouldn't you say, Bobby? Yes, and uh, Keith Kirkwood, uh, boy, I think he's an outstanding individual. Uh, he, he works hard. Uh, I think um, considering like him and Traquan, are they the same type player and do you would you keep one over the other? We've probably uh, seen more flashes from Traquan, I guess, uh, yes, in the regular I mean, season. Without a doubt. When you look at one-on-one, Traquan had two days. Uh, no, Traquan's actually the receiver that beat Marshawn Lattimore one-on-one uh, when they did those reps. Uh, I, I didn't see Michael Thomas at all do that. Uh, you know, Chris Olave maybe now and then. But Lattimore's had everybody's number where Traquan was outstanding and then all of a sudden my groin. Oh, here it is growing in. But I, I think Traquan's going to be ready to roll. If you look at it, he was drafted in the third round, uh, six years out of Central Florida. You look, Keith Kirkwood, he's going into his fourth season. Um, you know, I think Traquan had high expectations, more higher, uh, I should say, higher expectations Being because draft pick. considering, yes, where he was drafted. Uh, but, but uh, I mean, listen. Keith Kirkwood is a guy that you'd cheer for and you hope he'd work out. The only thing is, I don't know, like, the upside. He's steady, Eddie, like he's steady. But I don't know if you'd see, like, uh, potential that he ever can maybe um, reach the point like Lynn Bowden Jr. You know what Deuce is talking about? How that guy's an NFL player, but who he hangs around with? Who's his crowd and all? He's got to clean up a little bit of his uh, friendship circle there. Yeah, I mean, you want to be a pro? I mean, it doesn't matter uh, where you grew up. You, uh, the people you grew up with might be dragging you down. You got to move on. Because that cat, uh, he might run back a punt to the house uh, against uh, Kansas City or it might be against the Chargers. He is that gifted. You look at Linbound Jr., uh, 6'1", 205. He, okay, how many quarterbacks you could see? Like, he was in a game with Kentucky, and he's not even a passer and he ran for 200 yards in a bowl game. Right. No, I mean, that, uh, you just don't see that. So you see the uh, kind of ability in Lynn Bowden Jr. And uh, you know who's another one? And I could see Hayner because uh, he exploited him. And uh, I got to look at my notes. right. I got it somewhere where all of a sudden they did a two-minute offense and uh, he was targeted. And that's the, the kid. Uh, Shaq Davis, N- not Shaquille O'Neal, uh, but Shaq Davis, uh, the wide receiver from South Carolina State. He's 6'5", 215. Yeah, Dennis and, Allen had a little comments about him. We'll hear in another sound bank session later on. He well, talked about you know well, uh, what he it, brings okay. and kind of compared him to Marcus Colston body. Uh, yes, and all of a sudden I look at Jake Hayner. They're doing two-minute offense, and he's throwing him the ball. Uh, not only a couple of times, but, you know, two or three times. You can see in the back end of an actual a game. Because, you know, like, sometimes, you know, unless you're a diehard football fan, uh, who's playing right now? I don't know. It's the, the end of the third, fourth quarter. Who's actually in the game? Sure. Now, all yeah. of these individuals are fighting to make their prospective teams, whether if you're trying to make the back end of the roster for the Chiefs or the Saints or it might be the Chargers Saints, it might be the Texans Saints. 
that I would not be surprised. Well, they had a good closing to the game. Jake Hayner to Shaq Davis from South Carolina State. You know, those are the kind of intrigue storylines you have in training camp that um, that you have to look at this individual, South Carolina State. You know what I tell people? Are like, they might not, not South Carolina Gamecocks, South Carolina State Bulldogs, not Clemson. South Carolina State is like the version of Grambling in southern Louisiana, but it's in uh, the MEAC. Right. Uh, not the swag, but the MEAC, it's in South Carolina. That shows you they find you wherever you're at. If you can if play, you can ball, right. if you can play, they're going to give you a chance. Now, do you take advantage of that opportunity? Well, that's what Shaq Davis needs to do when he gets in the game to show the coaches that, no, I think I can help contribute and help the team win. We'll get to see it soon, Sunday. Saints Chiefs, noon kickoff right here on WWL Saints Radio. Want to hear from you on the Oak and Heart Jewelers Talk and Sex Line, 504-260-1870. Back with more after the break on WWL. Welcome back into Sports Talk, Steve Geller along with Bobby Bear, Charlie Long, hanging out with you guys today, talking a little bit Saints training camp. And Bobby, one of the topics that came up uh, when Dennis Allen took the podium today was uh, heavy into the Jeff Duncan report the team was looking at other potential venues for training camps in the future. Yeah, uh, the, the bottom line is um, you want to progress and how can I help my team develop and get the most out of the team now? On the flip side, uh, you got owners like Ms. Gale. I'm sure she would be saying uh, that, uh, boy, look at the corporate sponsors. Or look at the fans, how much they, la- they love having the team in town. Okay, but I think the corporate sponsors are the fans. If the team, it could be a difference of one or two more wins. And maybe that might be exaggerated. Let's just say even one win. That could be all the difference in the world, whether you're in the postseason or not based on how you were able to progress in training camp because you weren't just trying to survive practice and maybe you didn't have as many injuries, but you actually were uh, getting better as a team. So that, that's why, uh, you know, it's a fine, thin line because uh, if you look at it, uh, it's all about how, to, how you get that edge. And uh, I was telling Mike this earlier and um, – to me, again, you know how I say I got so much damn common sense. And uh, you can look at the situation in the Green Bar in West Virginia or the great experiences we had in the past in Lacrosse, Wisconsin, in the Cheese League. To me, I don't know if you'd call it the Wine League because it's not necessarily wine country, but uh, the Los Angeles area uh, to go to California. If you look at where, and we're going to see this next week, where the Chargers are practicing. Now, they're moving to El Segundo. The reason why I know El Segundo, because um, when I was holding out and, um, you know, Finks was jacking me around, uh, the Raiders were in Los Angeles hmm. and Al Davis. So uh, I actually stayed there for about six weeks, but Finks wouldn't trade me. So I know all about El Segundo and the Raiders, where that's where the Chargers are moving. But right now they're in Costa Mesa. So I can see the Saints going there tomorrow. Tomorrow, uh, I mean, not tomorrow, next, next week. Next week, right. Scoping and, out the territory. Yes, and whether that be uh, Greg ben- Benzel, Dennis Lauscher, whoever. And boy, I said, boy, the Chargers got a, a nice setup here in Costa Mesa, but they're leaving. So why wouldn't we necessarily come here and take advantage of that opportunity? You know, the community would welcome us. Right. Because it, it, it's money. You know, and all that, because uh, the Chargers would be in El Segundo, and, 
and it could be almost like the L.A. version. I don't know you call I just said Wine League. But you look at the, the Dallas, uh, the Cowgirls in Oxnard. So it's almost uh, like a two-hour bus ride. Uh, you go you go the, uh, north of L.A., you go south, and you got uh, Dallas. You got the Rams. You got the Chargers and the Saints. So you talk about having uh, practice against one another. And then you look at – just look at the forecast – Oh, where the Saints are going next week. Yeah, when you told me the temperatures, it's absolutely amazing. Okay, like, uh, it's going to be like late next week when the Saints are there, a high of 79, 80, and then you wake up in the morning, it's in the 60s. Wow. I, I think today it was like a high of 74 or 75. Well, you can get a lot done. And that's why, boy, uh, that's why a lot of people never poo-poo. Uh, now, uh, the ownership might not want to pay you, but uh, they don't poo-poo play for the charges because how nice the weather is in San Diego and now even L.A. because you're on the coast, uh, that Justin Herbert. Boy, if you could play there and uh, you have the resources, the money, uh, now uh, you, the fan bases, you wish they were more loyal and they cared about because in L.A., they st- that's still Lakers, Dodgers, and all that. And the Rams, Chargers. If they win, they'll be on the bandwagon. they go do something else. But the point being to train there, I think, uh, would be outstanding. And um, the proximity to other teams, I think, could benefit the Saints. So uh, I'm just throwing that out there if that, that does occur. Uh, the only reason why I came up with this because it makes so much common sense. Now, if you look at it, uh, the facts uh, right now, and Jeff Duncan wrote this, and where the Saints are at, they're expecting to take training camp on the road next year, regardless whether you think they're dealing with the heat or whatever, because... There's renovations going on. Yes, the whole renovation. It all goes uh, as a plan, a renovation of the club's cafeteria and the adjacent indoor training facility. Right, right next door to you it. you got to keep up with the Joneses. <laughs> You know, it ain't David Drive. It ain't David Drive where the freaking roof was leaking, uh, where we used to have the cab, uh, the facility on David Drive and metal buildings. No, you got to keep up with the Jones. You got to have yeah. great facilities. So whether it's a cafeteria or the training facility, we don't know how long that's going to take. That's all uh, after this upcoming season. That's going to come about. Uh, look, the construction schedule will force the Saints. Uh, Jeff wrote to hold maybe the 2024 training camp elsewhere. He brought up the Green Briar. You know why the Green Briar don't like? Uh, I would like the Green Briar if the Saints won. <laughs> the Huda Nation, we hate the Green Briar because the team was like 7-9. and nine. And and the Green Briar has It's hosted. a different regime, a different team now, no, though, Bobby. And, and they've hosted a number of teams. Look at the Green Briar. Oh, the, the Saints have been there. Uh, I, I Texans, wanna, the, the, the uh, Texans, Washington. Washington, and, and now the Browns. Right. So they've utilized the facility. We were there from 2014 to 16. So you look, uh, they, they got a great setup there. But th- this is the key, finding a place with NFL-quality facilities and practice fields that are su- suitable to housing and nice weather. Well, I'm telling you, we're going there next week. We're going to go in Costa Mesa where the charges are. I think they got probably nice facilities, maybe not as nice as what they're building in El Segundo, but I think it might be nice to hold a training camp and get a lot of work done, and you don't have to worry about IVs or players falling out. Taking the break and then closing out the hour after this on WWL. On that Oakland Hard Jewelers talking text line, I want to get to Stone and Gentilly, who is a comment about we were just talking about. What's going on, Stone? Yeah, the, the, the curiosity of actually being in – 
uh, Oxnard where the Chargers are playing. It would be interesting to see if Sean and Dennis Allen would try to do some scrimmages between the teams. What do you think? Yeah, well, without a doubt, uh, whether the Saints uh, – now, if you, you want to get on a plane, that'd be a short uh, flight uh, compared to, you know – you're coming in the deep south, but if you're going, uh, if you, I'll say, let's say Costa Mesa, where if you're out there in the future where the Chargers are at, and you're going to Colorado and and uh, practice against Denver, and then maybe the next year Denver comes uh, down uh, to L.A. No, I know Sean would be off of that, and I think Dennis Allen would be off of that also. So no, that that would be a win, a win-win. Besides uh, the proximity of Denver and the Broncos, uh, you know, compared to now. I think you don't have to get on a plane if you practice it against the Chargers, Rams, or, or Dallas. But let's say you wanted to mix it up because it's all about relationships and uh, who you know. And, uh, and uh, I think that'd be intriguing. The NFL would be all for that. Uh, uh, I was going to say, you could sell Sean tickets Payne, to that. Sean Payne's old team. <laughs> right. Oh, uh, yeah, the Saints uh, 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 practicing against the Broncos and playing a preseason game. I think that'd be a win-win. I would love to see those practices, right, going against right. the good old Sean, uh, uh, Sean Vader, as Cam Jordan said. Yeah, uh, Sean Vader, he's, he went over to the dark side. We'll be coming back next hour, getting more into the sound bank. You'll hear from Dennis Allen, Blake Gilligan, Pete Werner, and Colin Saunders. I'm Steve Geller, along with Bobby Hebert and Charlie Lone. We'll be back after this right here on WWL.